This is Maya Anderson with Becker's Women's Leadership Podcast. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Dr. Anna Holler, Chair of Neurology at St. Elizabeth's Medical Center in Boston. We're going to be discussing Dr. Holler's career, the healthcare trends she's following right now, and how male healthcare leaders can be effective allies to their female peers. Dr. Holler, it's a pleasure to speak with you today. Thank you for having me today, Maya. Of course. And to start us off, could you please introduce yourself and tell us a bit about your background? Yes. So as you know, I'm Dr. Anna Holler and the chair of neurology. I'm also the regional physician lead for neurology for Steward Medical Group. And that involves coverage of 12 hospitals over Massachusetts, Pennsylvania, and Ohio. So I am very involved in terms of the organization and the clinical manifestations of neurology for our system and still have a very active clinical background as well and engage in education. Great, thank you. And what would you say are the top three trends or issues you're following in healthcare right now? So from specifically a neurology perspective, there are several things that we're very excited about. And one of those is personalized medicine. So trying to utilize information, personalized information such as genetics to help in care coordination for our patients, both in the immediate sense and then longitudinally. We're very excited about another trend, which is artificial intelligence monitoring in healthcare. So this is the use of things like home monitoring of vital signs, home monitoring of things like tremor and sleep, and this allows us to provide a holistic assessment of patient care. This has been especially effective for us during the pandemic when we had a big transition to telehealth. And so having patients report their symptoms from home and also potentially utilize some home equipment such as blood pressure monitoring to be able to provide us feedback or data that they obtained from things like their iPhones or their Fitbit trackers has been really helpful in terms of understanding the patients across the day-to-day and not just in the snapshot of the office visit. And then thirdly, we've been very interested in looking at something that we call spectrum neurotherapeutics. And that's really the optimization of things like lifestyle, medications, surgical interventions throughout the continuum of care. So really understanding an issue before it becomes a diagnosis. So for example, somebody is having memory issues but they aren't necessarily having such severe issues where they have a diagnosis of dementia. Can we intervene at these very early symptomatic stages to perhaps slow progression of disease? Mm -hmm. Yeah, those are all very interesting topics. Thank you. And over the course of your career, what would you say is the biggest risk that you've taken that has paid off in the end? So for me, from an early age, I knew I wanted to be a physician, and I also had a significant family history of military experience, and I actually, at the age of 18, decided to join the military. And so I joined the U.S. Army, and I received an ROTC scholarship, and after medical school, I served eight years in the Army as a neurologist. It was a wonderful experience for me. I had the privilege of contributing to the healthcare of our nation's heroes and their families. And I was really fortunate to obtain a comprehensive leadership training experience. 
and I thought that it was wonderful to start my medical career and now, you know, my leadership career in an organization that really valued equal pay and teamwork. And that was a part of the fabric of the organization. So that was really profound for me. And I remember, you know, when I was doing my training and I said to myself, my goodness, they expect a five, three, 110 pound woman to carry this huge you know, rucksack that's 40 pounds, the same as this 6'3", 210-pound gentleman. And I said, how is that possible? Shouldn't it be different for different heights and weights and this type of thing? But it was actually wonderful because it allowed me to realize that if I can accomplish all of the physical and mental tasks and things like that that the military requires, then why shouldn't I be able to be as capable of a leader? And so it really helped to propel me into early opportunities for leadership and development that I might not have taken otherwise. And the military is a wonderful environment to learn leadership skills, to learn healthcare organization and a small and a large scale. So it really helped to move me through leadership pace and leadership opportunities at a, a much quicker rate than I would have, I think, otherwise. Yeah, it seems like starting off your career in the military really put you in a unique situation to be where you are today. Do you think your leadership style has been influenced by your early experience in the military? I think that it's been fundamentally influenced. And I think some of the tenets of military leadership I utilize every day. So things like the importance of formulating a good plan, but then the flexibility of modifying the plan based on the situation. I think that techniques that I learned about effective written and oral communication. And then, of course, things like professionalism and a very team-centered approach. You know, there are no individuals in the military. And so you really need to be at your top, top of your game in terms of your own personal achievements. But then the achievements of the team are really the things that are the most important. And for us, it was all based on the healthcare product and how we were able to help the patients in terms of their experience in our hospitals and throughout our system. Yeah, that's really interesting. Thank you. And kind of going off of what you said about being in an organization that values, you know, equality, no matter what gender you are um, in healthcare as a whole and leadership positions, there are significantly more men holding leadership positions than women. So I'm curious as to um, what you think are some ways that, male leaders in the industry could be effective allies to their female peers who also hold similar leadership positions. Yes. Yeah, so I've been so fortunate in my career to have um, men and women, of course, as mentors. And I think serving for men as mentors, champions, advocates, I think men can promote inclusivity in their departments in their institutions. I think promotion of diversity of thought, I think that's also very important. I think that the other thing that's underutilized are leadership courses. So I think that many of the individuals who are entering the healthcare system haven't necessarily gone through different types of specific education on how to lead groups, how to organize, how to um, approach systems and projects. And I think encouraging individuals to join those courses and those classes, I think is very helpful. And I think too that it's important for mentors, champions, and advocates to think about how they can help to provide others with a roadmap of possibilities. 
sometimes we are able to see opportunities ourselves, but oftentimes we are given wonderful advice from our mentors and, and colleagues about opportunities that we might not have already thought about. And so I encourage, you know, men and women, of course, to be able to think about what opportunities their colleagues and subordinates might be good for and recommend those to them because they might not have thought of them themselves. And I think, too, as male leaders, we can think about alternate pathways to success. I think that oftentimes people on a traditional pathway to leadership in healthcare are easier to understand, but sometimes people have to take time off or want to take time off or come to healthcare from a different direction to start with. And I think we want to give those individuals opportunities to succeed in healthcare because the diversity of perspective is so helpful in terms of um, our approach to how we manage products and projects. And I think that one of the things that the military was very strong on was a leader should develop a plan, but then get input from their team members about their ideas about the plan and the perspective, their perspectives, and then they should be willing to modify their plan based on that input as the situation demands. And so we always want to be listening to those around us and, and surrounding ourselves with a diverse group of people who can provide a different perspective. When I was young and before I had a lot of leadership training, I thought that if I surrounded myself by like-minded people, things would get done more quickly. But what you realize is people who have different perspectives allow you to see perhaps some pitfalls that you might not see yourself or some other types of scenarios that you need to address before putting a plan into place. And so the diversity of planning and diversity of people around you allow you to, in the end, come up with often a much better product. Yeah, that's interesting. I think it's really um, interesting what you said about, you know, pointing out opportunities that one might not see. And I think that's especially um, pertinent for people and specifically women who haven't traditionally held as many roles that um, to have their peers point out to them opportunities they might not have seen themselves is a really important thing for them to do. So thank you so much. That was a really interesting answer. Yes, well, I think a few other, one other thing too, I think that has been helpful for me is to think about redundancy in the workforce. So in the military, we have this expression, two is one and one is none. And the idea is that whenever you're in a situation, you want to think about having redundancy in terms of workforce and supplies and things like that, so that no matter what kind of situation arises, and you know, most recently for us, COVID, that you have a little bit of bandwidth to be able to kind of move and flex and be able to surmount the challenges that arise that are often very unpredictable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think resiliency and being able to adjust quickly is definitely something that across the healthcare spectrum has had, they've, the industry has had to do very much so in the last, you know, 18 months or so. Well, Dr. Holler, thank you so much for this fascinating discussion. Thank you so much for giving us some of your time today. And I look forward to connecting with you again in the future. Thank you very much for having me today, Maya.